Hello, everybody. Welcome back. CCT episode 34. 34 for all my Espanols out there. Alrighty. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Again, a lot to get into today. But just wanted to shout out everyone. Appreciate the love and the feedback. Conference championship weekend has passed. Playoffs have been announced. The last ranking is here. Lots to go through today. As always, appreciate you tuning in and staying locked with CCT. Let's jump right in. The dust has settled. And let us dive into some scores. We have, from Conference Championship Weekend, we have the Utah Utes absolutely stomping the Trojans of Southern Cal in the Pac-12 Championship. The number eight now in the nation, Utes, defeated the Trojans 47-24. Southern Cal falls to 10th in the nation, 11-2 on the year. The only two losses to Utah this year. The Utes improved to 10-3. This game was Friday night. Um, again, I apologize for dropping the last episode a couple hours before this game. And I was big in on Southern Cal coming out with the win. And again, unfortunately, I did not come out true with my pick. Um, unfortunately. But that's okay. We'll move on. Try to pick, get some good picks this week. Only one game, so we'll get into that later. But the Utes just dominated Came out against the Southern Cal team. Caleb Williams got hurt during the game. Didn't really want to come off. I'm getting a lot of hype going into this game with Lincoln Riley potentially leading the Trojans back to relevancy in the playoffs in their first season. A lot of transfers, a lot of star-studded talent out in L.A. this year. Again, could not get it done against the Utes, who are, you know, had three losses there. One hell of a team. Cam Rising is that guy. And we'll jump into some stats. So total yardage, Utah had 533. Southern Cal had 419. Utah had 310 passing yards. Southern Cal 363. Utah had 223 on the ground. And Southern Cal only had 56 rushing yards. Utah had one turnover. Southern Cal had two. Cam Rising was 22 of 34 passing, 310 yards. He also had three touchdowns through the air. He had eight rushes for 18 yards. Again, Cam Rising balled the hell out. Shout out to him. Jackson, running back, had 13 rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Bernard, other running back, had 11 rushes for 88 yards and a touchdown. Again, shout out those two guys. Over 100-yard games for both of them. Parks, the wide receiver, had four receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. On the Southern Cal side, Caleb Williams was 28 of 41 passing, 363 yards. Three touchdowns and an interception. He also had 12 rushes for 21 yards. Jones, the running back, had 15 rushes for 35 yards. Washington, one of their wide receivers, had six catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. Again, shout out to Utes here. Southern Cal's kryptonite the whole year. Pac-12 champions. Back-to-back seasons. First time someone's done that with the Utes since Urban Meyer did it back in the early 2000s. So shout out Utah, shout out the coach there. Big win. Next, the Big 12 championship game. The Horned Frogs, devastating L in overtime. Kansas State, the Wildcats, defeated the Horned Frogs 31-28 in overtime. Kansas State, number 9 in the country now, improves to 10-3. TCU, number 3, falls to 12-1. and this game was a dogfight. Kansas State came out to play. 
And unfortunately, they ousted TCU, stuffed them a couple times in overtime on the goal line. Three plays in a row, I believe, if I remember correctly. And they outwilled them for a win. TCU was on the verge of potentially not making the playoffs. Alabama was sniffing in, potentially. And the playoff committee kept them at three, which we'll get into later. And they're in the playoff. They're going to play Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. We'll get more into that later. But going into some yardage here. Kansas State, 404 on the group. 404 total. TCU, 469. Kansas State had 199 passing yards. TCU, 251. Kansas State had 205 rushing yards. TCU, 218. Kansas State had one turnover. TCU had two. Howard, Kansas State's quarterback, was 18 of 32, 199 yards passing, two touchdowns. He also had eight rushes for negative three yards and a touchdown. Deuce Vaughn, the running back, balled the hell out, 26 rushes, 130 yards and a touchdown. Brooks, the wide receiver, had six receptions for 48 yards. Now on the TCU side, Dugan was 18 of 36, 251 in the air. He had a touchdown and interception. 15 rushes for 110 yards and a touchdown. Again, shout out Dugan. One hell of a stat line. Unfortunately, interception. But both getting it done through the air and with his legs. Miller, the running back. 17 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown. Johnston, the wide receiver. Four receptions for 139 yards. Again, TCU loses the Big 12 championship. Hats off to Kansas State. For the Big 12 championship win, TCU does not go down in ranking, but they and they still make the playoffs. So the Horn Frogs still a successful year, job not done yet. L in the Big 12 championship though, so congrats to Kansas State. And last but not least, here in the AAC championship, we had the Tulane Green Wave. One successful pick I had last week against UCF. Tulane. Wipe the floor. Tsunami wave with the green wave over the Golden Knights. 45-28. Tulane now ranks 16th in the nation. Improves to 11-2. UCF falls to 9-4. So 45-28. The green wave kicked booty. Tulane had a total of 648 yards. UCF 410. Tulane had 394 passing yards. UCF 265. Tulane had 254 rushing yards, UCF 145. And again, I praised UCF defense the whole year for having a stout front seven to stop the running attack, but they got ran over, letting up over 650 total yards, 250 rushing yards, 394 passing yards. Yeah, the defense did not come to play for that game. Pratt, Tulane's quarterback, was 20 of 33, 394 passing yards. He had four touchdowns and interception. He also had six rushes for 48 yards and a touchdown, so a five-touchdown day for Pratt. Again, shout-out at him. Lean the green wave to the AAC championship, but one hell of a game for Pratt. Spears, the running back, balled the hell out himself. 22 rushes for 199 yards and a touchdown. And two wide receivers, Wyatt and Watts. Wyatt had five catches for 110 yards and two tutties. Watts had three catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. So shout-out to Tulane as a whole. The whole team balled out collectively. Green Wave, big win. Now on the UCF side, Plum leader quarterback was 21 of 39, 209 yards passing. He also had a touchdown throw. He had nine rushes for negative seven yards. Bowser, the running back, no, not the Mario villain, had 20 rushes for 85 yards and a touchdown. Also had two catches for 28 yards. Hudson, their wide receiver. 
had four catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns. So again, shout out the Green Wave getting their AAC championship victory. Again, coming out strong, big win after losing the UCF a couple weeks before, getting their revenge and winning their conference championship. Shout out to Lane. Next, in our close dubs and notable L's, again, mainly had conference championships, had a couple other notable games and remakes this past couple weeks. So Buffalo, the Buffalo Bulls. Shout out my buddy Mike here. The Bulls are going bowling. Squeaked out a 23-22 win over Akron. Buffalo improves the 6-6. Six and six. Akron falls the 2-10. and ten. So shout out to the Bulls. Roll Bulls. They will be going bowling this year. In the Sun Belt Conference Championship, Troy rolled over Coastal Carolina. 45-26. Troy is ranked 24th in the nation. They improved 11-2. Coastal Carolina falls to 9-3. Shout out to Troy. Great win over Coastal Carolina for the Sun Belt. In the SEC Championship, Georgia absolutely dominated LSU 50-30. Big scoring game. You said, Chew, is that the Big 12 Championship? No, the SEC Championship. Georgia proves the 13-0, number one in the land. LSU falls to 9-4, ranked 17th in the nation. In the Mountain West Championship, Fresno State upset Boise State, wins 28-16. Fresno State improves to 9-4. Boise State falls to 9-4. In the ACC Championship, Clemson took care of business against UNC. Tigers won 39-10. Clemson, number 7 in the nation, improves to 11-2. UNC falls to 9-4. In the Big Ten Championship, number 2 Michigan took care of business in a game that was close at half. And then in the later in the game, as Michigan has done, has broken away from teams. Michigan won 43-22. The Wolverines are second in the nation, improved to 13-0. Purdue falls to 8-5. In the MAC championship, Toledo defeated Ohio 17-7. Toledo improves to 8-5. Ohio falls to 9-4. And last but not least, another game that was also scheduled, an independent New Mexico State is going bowling. They beat Valparaiso 65-3, an absolute whomping. So New Mexico proves the 6-6. Six six. Valparaiso falls to 5-7. Again, mainly conference championships, but a lot of other little games here and there. Big bowling for certain teams, so shout out to them. And now, as always, our college football news. Again, last week was a lot about transfers and coaching carousel. This week we have some of that. But also as well as promised, I went through, went through the history, went through the constitution of my notes for the past, you know, episodes in this season. I found my predictions for the playoffs and the conference championships and compared to what actually happened. So we'll be getting into that. Don't worry. Hold me accountable. Call me out because I definitely will be calling myself out as well. A lot of stuff going on with coaches and players. So we'll get into that as well. Not into much depth as we did last week. But we will dive in. So, obviously, I talked about Michigan defeating Purdue in the Big Ten Championship this past weekend. But before that loss, Purdue, known as the Purdue Boilermakers, actually, the Purdue Spoilermakers, if you think about it, they had three straight wins prior to this loss, three straight wins against top three teams, which was tied for the second longest streak, active streak in the nation behind Stanford. In 2018, 
They defeated number two Ohio State by 29 points. In 2021, they defeated number two Iowa by 17 points. And also, a couple games later, they defeated number three Michigan State by 11 points. And again, obviously, Purdue kept it close against Michigan, got blown out in the end. But the Boilermakers, a.k.a. the Spoilermakers, always got to watch out for them. So shout out Purdue there. Week 13, which is the last week of the regular season, Clemson lost to South Carolina, as we know, 31-30, and Ohio State got blown out by Michigan later in that game. Again, close, but then Michigan broke away. That was the first time that both Ohio State and Clemson lost on the same day since 2011. 11 years. 11 whole years, ladies and gentlemen. So, wow. Wild, wild statistic there. Again, just to go to show you how good those two programs have been for the past decade plus. Also, with the playoff this year, the final four teams, we'll get into later, obviously Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. It's the first year, first year since the playoff started back in 2014, so eight years in its existence, without Clemson or Alabama in the playoffs. Again, a couple years ago, you had the first year where Bama did not make it. Last year, Clemson did not make it. But this is the first year where both of them, not one of those teams, has been in the playoff. Again, showing their dominance for the past decade plus. Another statistic, with Alabama's win over Auburn in the last game of the season, they improved to 10-2, and two, two losses, again, against Tennessee and LSU. Alabama has broken FSU's record for most consecutive 10-win seasons, so Saban passed Bobby Bowden. This is 15 consecutive seasons from 2008 to 2022. Bowden's record with Florida State was 14 seasons from 1987 to 2000. So shout-out Nick Saban, obviously the GOAT, of college football, best college football coach ever. That's what I'm saying as a Bama fan. I've known Auburn fans. I've known many different people who have said that. Again, whether you agree or not, the GOAT. And again, passing Bobby Bowden, another legend of college football. Just wanted to shout that out there. Insanely stat again. Now, we'll preview the Army-Navy game this weekend. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Navy's rocking those space uniforms. With NASA on the side and the astronaut on the other side, I said they were following suit of uh, UCF when they brought out their space unis. Army has responded. They said for the Army-Navy game this year, you're rocking with the space, we're rocking with the Armored Division. Army will be honoring the soldiers of the 1st Armored Division, a.k.a. America's 1st Tank Division, with some cool, I guess, tank-colored-looking jerseys, helmets, and uniforms. So definitely look forward to that this weekend. You know, Credit the Army for honoring the soldiers of America. Obviously, they're future soldiers of America, but honoring the 1st Tank Division. So, shout out Army there. And jumping into some player news. Jordan Travis for FSU. He said he is coming back for another season with the Seminoles. So, oh, your little tomahawk chalk, tennis elbow, tendonitis, Tommy John stuff. He will be back. He is the fourth FSU quarterback to have 3,000 total yards and 30 total touchdowns in a season. The previous three have all won the Heisman. And again, don't worry, Jordan Travis will not be winning the Heisman this year. He ain't even in New York going for it. But just wanted to shout out the quarterbacks who did it. In 1993, it was Charlie Ward. 
2000, Chris Winkie, or Wink, excuse me. And 2013, good old James Winston. So Jordan Travis has joined Elite Company. Again, FSU has had a great year so far. I'll be going to a bowl game. Seminoles turned it around this year after the past couple of years of being absolutely atrocious. So just shout out the program there. Big news to have Travis coming back. All righty. More player news and transfers. Here we go. A lot of quarterbacks to start off with. Texas A&M quarterback Haynes King will be entering the transfer portal. Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangale entering the transfer portal. Again, DJ Haynes King. Haynes King has had an up and down season. Texas A&M as a team has been trashed this year. They've been losing lots of recruits, lots of people entering the transfer portal. Does not shock me that he's entering. DJ Ukulele. Again, came in for Trevor. Looked baller a couple of years ago. Last year and this year has not looked good. Has made a lot of mistakes, turnovers. Cade Clublink has come in and looked like a baller. So DJ's hitting the sticks. NC State quarterback Devin Leary, transfer portal. Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine, transfer portal. Again, two good quarterbacks there. Devin Leary and the Wolfpack. Ow! Had a good year. Had a lot of close games against Syracuse, Clemson. Another elite talent going out there in the transfer portal. Drew Pine, again, was kind of uh, stepped into the role. Notre Dame quarterback after Jack Cohen last year. He played a little bit last year in, um, you know, when they would take Cohen out or in service of him in other games. But had an okay year this year. But he will be entering the transfer portal now. Next, players declaring for the draft or coming back. Keyshawn Booty will return, the wide receiver to LSU. Again, great talent. Rift potentially throughout the season where people thought he was going to transfer or leave LSU. He will be back in Death Valley next year. Anthony Richardson, UF's quarterback, has declared for the draft. He will be no longer in the swamp in Gainesville. AR is gone. Again, Great year, started off the season hot, potential Heisman front runner, and then kind of cooled off. Again, Florida did not have a good year this year at all, was 500, 6 and 6. Um, another big one, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State wide receiver, has declared for the NFL draft. He will not play in the college football playoff. That's a big blow for the Buckeyes. Again, Jackson Smith and Jigba balled the hell out last year, while Lave and Garrett Wilson were hurt at points. He was a baller this year. Been hurt, I believe, only played in a game or two. It's a shame that not to get him back to have a lot of firepower against the Dogs in the semifinal game, but I understand. You know, wants to make sure he's okay and get ready for the NFL. So Jackson Smith and Jigba has also declared for the draft. More transfer portal stuff. Auburn quarterback Zach Calzada, who transferred from AM to Auburn. He's back in the transfer portal. Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Stan Spencer Sanders, excuse me, is in the transfer portal. Another decent talent there from the Cowboys. He's gone. AM DB, Josh Moten in the transfer portal. Western Michigan D Lyman, Andre Carter. Six Alabama players. And I know I mentioned some of these the other day. But JoJo Earl, wide receiver. Offensive lineman, Amari Knight. Wide receivers, Trayshawn Holden and Christian Leary. Another offensive lineman, Javon Cohen. Javion, I believe, excuse me. And then Tommy Brockmeyer, Brockermeyer. Six Alabama players have entered the transfer portal. Another one, a and wide receiver. Chris Marshall, the transfer portal. 
He was the number one, number three wide receiver in this past year's class, the 22, 2022 class. He was the five star. He's in the transfer portal. Again, A&M is a shit show and a dumpster fire. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Nothing new there. Former Wisconsin quarterback, Graham Mertz, who again, when Cohen was there, would start him over him when Cohen got hurt. That's led to his transfer to Notre Dame. Has been a big letdown there. He still has two years of eligibility left, Excuse me, and he's transferring to Kentucky. It's been confirmed. Last year, he had 2,136 yards with 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Again, I think it was a big mistake to run Cohen out of there and start Mertz. But again, I ain't the coach of Wisconsin. He's also gone there too, and they hired Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. So they have to figure their whole self out as well. Mississippi State running back Dylan Johnson has entered the transfer portal, but he took a shot at his former coach, Mike Leach, in the process. He had this big post on social media describing, you know, he wants to thank certain people, giving him the opportunity with his family and friends, and then towards the middle and the end, he said, with that being said, since I am not tough, or excuse me, since I am not very tough, and Leach is glad I am leaving, I will be entering my name into the transfer portal. Again, obviously, Mike Leach and Dylan must have butted heads or gave him a bad taste in their mouth because obviously come out and say that about your former coach. Definitely something was going on there. But again, this transfer portal season, and again, I've seen crazy stuff, certain stats that I believe there's 16,000 players in FBS football, which is again, Division One. I'm not talking about FCS, just FBS right now. So of all the programs in the country, all the divisions, Power 5, non-Power 5 programs, 16,000 players. And at least so far, since the transfer portal officially opened Monday, again, that was the regular, the graduate one was already prior, but already out of 16,000, 1,000 players have entered the transfer portal. So just to put that, and again, it's probably more and more each day from that stat, which was, I believe, a couple days ago. So just to put that in perspective, again, with NIL, with instant eligibility, instead of having to sit out games or not be able to play right away when you can transfer, has definitely spurred. And again, if you're a top talent, let's say you're a four-star, five-star, and you're sitting behind three or four other guys and you're not going to play at a big school, why not transfer? Why not go somewhere where you're going to start? A, they might pay you a lot, and B, show out. Make a name for yourself. You can still get drafted. It doesn't matter. If you go to the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Southern Cows of the world, versus if you go to like a Marshall or a Wichita State or, you know, small schools in the middle of nowhere, UNH, Marist, who, it doesn't matter what school you're from, Alcorn State, Rice. If you're good enough, you'll be in the NFL. Trust me, many people have done that, come out of small schools and been some of the best players ever. So, Again, if you're good, they'll find you. Trust me. But just again, NIL, transfer portal, everything is going wild this year. Again, coaching carousel as well. One of the biggest ones recently that we've been following, Deion Sanders, prime time, is leaving Jackson State and heading to Colorado to coach the Buffaloes. Again, the Buffaloes are an absolute atrocious year. I remember beginning of the year where the state of Colorado, Colorado and Colorado State hadn't won a game at one point or just one game. So definitely looking to turn that Buffalo program around. I think prime time is the man to do it. 
in three seasons at Jackson State. He was 26-5, and back-to-back SWAC championships, 2021 and then this year, 2022. Some of his accomplishments. In 2021, he won the Eddie Robinson Award, which is for the top coach in FCS. He led the team to its first undefeated season ever this year with the SWAC championship to 11-0. And he also signed Travis Hunter. He flipped them from FSU to JSU last year. And he was the number two recruit in the country in the class last year. So again, Deion Sanders has produced 26-5 and in three seasons, as I said before. And he's taken those talents out to Colorado. And as well, in the press conference, or not press conference, we're meeting with the team, talked to you know, his players and students at JSU, and he said, you know what, guys, I'm just taking on for another challenge. I'll be, be in front. Of, he was front with them, straight up. And didn't want him to hear it from somebody else and told him how it is. Showed up in Colorado. Had a team meeting with the players. Said he's bringing in change. He's bringing in luggage and it's Louie. He plans to bring in great recruits, transfers. And I've read sources, read different articles that over 200 recruits and portal transfers have reached out in the last 12 hours or so. Again, this article is from a couple days ago. And some are four-star, five-star recruits. NIL money is starting to flow in. Again, that's that primetime effect. If anyone can change a program, look what Deion Sanders has done. And again, like I've talked about many, many times, Deion Sanders, besides on the field, off the field type stuff with Jackson State, bringing money in that community, revitalizing HBCUs, putting them back on a you know forefront, national stage. Also, great people skills and forming and you know creating gentlemen and better people for society besides the game of football like I said you know wearing no wife beaters in class sitting at the front of the classroom being on time polite stuff like that to be better better people at the end of the day which is something I'm very envious of and very you know grateful for Dion for what he's done there again a lot of people have been saying that they think it's a cop-out. He said he was going to change you know, Jackson State. And he loves the people there. Again, I'm sure he does. But I had a feeling, I always had a feeling that he wanted more. This, another challenge. That's what he kind of you know, said and described. And honestly, Colorado, just giving you heads up now, out there in Boulder. I don't think he'll be at Colorado forever. I think this is a stepping stone. Like JSU was his first step. This is going to be another stepping stone. He'll be there for a couple of years, revitalize the program, turn them around, and then he'll probably go for a big-time job. Originally, I thought he was going to go somewhere like an Auburn, a USF. Who knows? But obviously, he took the job at Colorado. I think he'll do well there, turn that program around, and hopefully compete in the Pac-12. Again, definitely a lot of schools with Lincoln Riley now at Southern Cal, Utah, Back-to-back Pac-12 championships has been one hell of a team in the past couple years. Always have schools like Washington, Washington State lurking, Oregon. Again, what Bo Nix and that team did this year was nothing to sneeze at. Definitely have some competition, but definitely look forward to see what Dion will do there. His son, Shador Sanders, will be going there as well. And again, we'll see when the recruits and the money and everything, when it starts flowing in, how he turns that program around. But I wish him the best, and I think he'll do a great job. And like I said, I don't think this will be his final stop. I think he'll use it as another stepping stone to go somewhere else. 
And he's also bringing in some of the best coaching minds around him. And he has to support himself with a great staff. Bama associate defensive coordinator and safeties coach Charles Kelly has been hired as the defensive coordinator. So Dion brought him on. I wish Alabama would lose Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, but we can only dream. But again, shout out Dion, what he's doing. Again, I know people are kind of roasting him and hating on him, said he just picked, packed up and bailed. But again, at the end of the day, accepting a new challenge and moving on. Again, I don't think this will be his final stop in Colorado, so people in Boulder don't get too excited. But definitely look for, for him to turn around for the Buffalo and uh, see what primetime can do. Definitely recruit out there on the West Coast, all across the country. People want to play for him. The pizzazz and the status and the level and just a flair of Deion Sanders, you know, entices and electrifies any program anywhere he steps in the room. Next, Tennessee offensive coordinator Alex Galesh taking over USF's head coaching job. Again, USF was one of the schools that Deion Sanders was potentially locked into, as well as Cincinnati or Colorado. He's a 38-year-old, and he led the Tennessee offense to the number one team in the nation in total and scoring offense this year. So again, again, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, those boys, Brew McCoy. Again, Tennessee's offense was a juggernaut this year. I believe Hendon Hooker kind of got Rob Friesman, but that's another story we'll talk about later. But Alex Galesh, 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 with UC, USF, excuse me, the Bulls' new coach. Liberty is finalizing a deal to hire Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell. It will be a five-year, $20 million deal, so $4 million a year, quick maths. In four years at Coastal, again, technically five, but one of those years was an interim head coach while the head coach was on medical leave. So in full four full years as the head coach, he was 39-22 and 22 at Coastal Carolina. One and one in bowl games, lost the Cure Bowl to Liberty. The next year, won the Cure Bowl. In 2019, he was five and seven overall, two and six in conference. In 2020, they were 11 and one, eight and zero in the conference. They were the Sun Belt champs, and he won Coach of the Year that year. 2021, they were 11 and two, six and two in the conference. And this year, nine and three overall, six and two in the conference. So again. Like I said, Hugh Freeze is gone for Liberty. Kind of brought that program to a national stage. 3-0 in bowl games there. Joining Conference USA next season. Again, Jamie Chadwell. Hopefully he can do a good job. Keep up the competitiveness. Now that they're joining a conference, maybe win some conferences. Again, keep Liberty relevant. Keep elevating that program. Because again, Hugh Freeze did a great job there. Had a couple of great draft picks. See how they turn out in the NFL. Again, Malik Willis, the backup on the Titans. Antonio Goldie Gandy, big wide receiver. He was on the Washington Commanders. I don't know if he's still in football, but definitely seen some buzz within that program over the past couple years. So just want to see him trend that team in the right direction. Next, we have, again, more coaching stuff moving around. Louisville's Scott Satterfield is becoming the new head coach at Cincinnati. And Jeff Brom is leaving Purdue and becoming the Louisville head coach. Again, just for the sake of time, moving along. I know I went to a lot into coaches and records last week. Just keeping it short in there. So Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield is going to Cincinnati to take over the head coaching role. And Jeff Brom is leaving Purdue. 
and going to become the Louisville head coach. Alrighty. Last tidbits before we jump into some predictions of what I had earlier in the year versus now. Our games of the week and closing remarks here. Caleb Williams for the Pac-12 championship game last Friday had fuck Utah on his fingernails and obviously nail polish. Obviously the U was a little star. Cam rising after the game. You know, people said, I don't know if you noticed, but they said, hey, you know, Caleb Williams had that on his fingernails, and Cam Rising said, that's cute. I don't give a shit, though. I hope he liked it after they absolutely whopped Southern Cal. Again, Cam Rising is that dude. The Utes had one hell of a year, back-to-back Pac-12 champs. will be going to a nice Rose Bowl game. I think it's the Rose Bowl. Again, I'll talk about the New Year's Six Bowl games next week and as we get into Bowl Mania. But he's that guy. So shout out Cam Rising there. Again, early in the year, Caleb Williams had the suicide awareness phone number on his fingernails and other stuff for mental health. But uh, unfortunately, the fuck Utah backfired on him. So sorry. Luther Burden, Mizzou, wide receiver, intends to return to Mizzou. And he did that by promoting his NIL chip deal. LB3 chips. He shouted out with the Tigers and said, Come support us during our bowl game with a bag of LB3 chips. Lose the burden three. Again, NIL chip deals. Watch out. Another NIL deal. Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt has signed an NIL deal with nobody else than Hyatt Hotels. Part of the deal, he is gifting his teammates. A generous hotel credit, similar to their stay at the Orange Bowl. Again, Tennessee received a berth in the Orange Bowl where they're playing the Clemson Tigers, two orange teams in the Orange Bowl. Ha ha, ba dum bum But shout out to Jalen Hylett for that NIL deal. And, you know, one hell of a guy that offers teammates that and give him that credit. So shout out Mr. Hyatt there. Another feel-good story here. Again, Will Rogers, Mississippi State quarterback. Great touch. One of the great quarterbacks in the SEC, in the country. I've been a standout guy. I've talked about after the Alabama game, after the loss. Helped that older lady, older aide, up the ramp in the tunnel in Tuscaloosa, who's an Alabama lady. Also gave Lane Kiffin's son his game towel the past two weeks ago when they played in the Egg Bowl win. And this weekend... They rounded up and talked about his partnership with Make-A-Wish. So Will Rogers has a partnership with Make-A-Wish Mississippi. This year he threw for 34 touchdowns. Simmons Erosion Control donated $34,000. Make-A-Wish raised forty k. So that was a total of 74713 which in total helped 12 kids in Mississippi have their wishes granted. Again, so Simmons and Rosen control donating and make a wish through, you know, fundraisers and stuff through Will Rogers raised 40K. So a total of almost $75,000 helped 12 kids in Mississippi have their wishes granted this year. So again, shout out to Will Rogers, one hell of a guy, standout, you know, selfless guy, great character. Again, multiple stories like that throughout the year, not just a one-time thing. Just wanted to shout out Will Rogers. Ring that cowbell for him tonight. 
Um, just wanted to say thank you for all that you do, my friend. All righty. So now all we're waiting for, some accountability for Chu. All right. Early on in the year, I gave everyone my conference championship picks, who would be there, the picks, and the playoff picks. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Good thing. Again, I do not bet because I'd be broke and out there on the street or in the wilderness somewhere living like a caveman. Alrighty. So, I shall jump into what I said, and then I'll jump into what actually happened. So, my playoff prediction, very bold of me, was undefeated teams. All four teams I picked were undefeated. I had Alabama, number one, 13-0, SEC champion. I had number two, Ohio State, 13-0, Big Ten champion. I had Clemson, number three, 13-0, ACC champion. And I had Southern Cal, number four, 13-0, Pac-12 champion. And boy, could I not be even closely anywhere near the target. Out of the four teams, only one of them I picked actually made the playoff, and that was Ohio State. So Ohio State comes in at four. They were 11-1. They did not even play in their conference game. Their one loss, obviously, coming to Michigan. They sneaked in at number four. Number one was an undefeated SEC champ, 13-0, but it was the Dogs of Georgia. Number two was an undefeated Big Ten champ, but that was the Michigan Wolverines at 13-0. Number three was the TCU Horn Frogs at 12-1, lost in the Big 12 championship game. Five was Alabama, 10-2. Six was Tennessee at 10 and 2. So those are the first two teams out. And again, something I wanted to bring up. TCU going into the final weekend. UGA was number 1, 12 and 0. Michigan, number 2, 12 and 0. TCU, number 3, 12 and 0. And number 4 was Southern Cal, who at the time was 11 and 1 because they only lost to Utah. Now they're 11 and 2. But those were the top four teams. Georgia and Michigan took care of business. They stayed at 1-2. and two. Southern Cal lost. Now they're now 11-2. They dropped out of the top four. TCU lost in their game. They lost in overtime. Again, 31-28 on a field goal. They did not move. This is probably the first time in a long, 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 long time that a team has lost. And again, it doesn't matter how much you lose by. They lost by three in overtime in their conference championship. They did not move a muscle. A muscle. They stayed at three. And Ohio State, the only other team with one loss, went right in there. Clemson won their conference championship this weekend. But again, their bad losses to South Carolina last game of the season. Again, Notre Dame throughout the season. They weren't ranked high enough to potentially push, even though they're a conference championship, but also two loss. Two lost teams, again. As an Alabama fan, you're probably saying, Chew, did you want Alabama to make the playoffs? Obviously, a little part of me didn't, but I don't think they deserved it. I still stand by this, and I will to the day I die. Obviously, in the current format, not when they expanded to 12 teams. But in the four teams, I don't believe the two lost teams should make the playoffs. And I will state that again. I don't believe it too lost to you. I know Nick Saban during the Big Ten championship game during halftime. 
went on national television and lobbied for you know Alabama to make the playoffs, and everyone's saying, "Oh, Saban's crying and making a point." Excuse me. If any other team was in that situation, they'd be doing the same thing. Number one. Number two. Again, I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, Alabama was trash this year. Again, they're ten and two. They're great, great talent, great players individually, but as a team. They looked very sloppy, undisciplined, penalties, mental mistakes, two losses in crazy, crazy fashion, last plays of the game in overtime and then a field goal. But I don't believe they deserve to make the playoffs this year. And many people say, well, they should have made it. No, I think they got it right. The only thing I would have maybe changed, but I understand kind of why they did it, was maybe move Ohio State to 3 and TCU to 4. But they didn't want to do that because they didn't want a rematch of the game. Ohio State-Michigan, again, two weeks later. If they're going to have it, they're going to have it for the finals where the ratings would be through the roof. And when they were talking to Reese, Kirk, and you know, all the college game day guys were talking to the committee after the rankings were announced, they said, oh, was that a thought when you were in the room? They said, no, that's BS. I don't give a fuck whatever they say in that room. They definitely were thinking, oh, well... We potentially don't want to have this again. We rather, you know, wait to the finals, get better rank ratings, get better money, and we don't want to have a replay of something that happened two weeks ago. So I don't want to hear that BS from the committee. They purposely put Ohio State at four. TCU did not drop though. Again, very strange. Something I've never seen before after a team loss. I don't care what dramatic fashion you lose. You lose by one, you lose by a nose, you lose by half a point, even that's not damn possible. It never happens where you don't drop. Never. So for the committee to keep TCU at three, again, Ohio State four makes sense. The top two are set. Again, TCU not dropping. And that's the playoff this year, ladies and gentlemen. Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, Ohio State four. So Georgia will be playing Ohio State at the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Might as well be a home game for Georgia. And then Michigan will be playing TCU in the Fiesta Bowl out in Arizona. Those games will be on New Year's Eve. I believe the Michigan game will be the 4 o'clock game. The UGA-Ohio State game will be the 8 o'clock game. And again, that is our playoff. Again, I picked one team in my original. I actually made the playoff. I did have the undefeated SEC and Big Ten champ, even though they're technically the wrong team. But hey, I'll take some partial credit. Alrighty, now we're going to jump into our conference champs. So I just went into the playoffs. Now we're going to talk about our conference championships. So I'm going to go into, again, what I predicted versus what actually happened. I had in the ACC, and I'll just do Power 5 here just to power through it. I had Clemson versus Pitt, and I had Clemson winning it. In actuality, it was Clemson versus UNC, and Clemson won. So, again, I'll take partial. I picked Clemson to win it, even though it wasn't against Pitt, it was UNC. In the Big 12, I picked Oklahoma against TCU, and Oklahoma won in my my predictions. In actuality, it was Kansas State against TCU, and Kansas State won. So again, I'll take partial. I had TCU there, and they lost, so I'll take that partial again. The Big 10 completely blew this one away. I had Ohio State against Minnesota. I had Ohio State winning it. But in actuality, it was Michigan against Purdue, and Michigan won, so I was way off there. Pac-12... Yeah, not really close either. Kind of. I had Southern Cal against Washington State. I had Southern Cal winning it. 
But in the actual Pac-12 championship, it was Utah against Southern Cal, and Utah won it. So again, partial with the Southern Cal there. And last one, I guess technically partial, the SEC. I had Bama against Georgia, and I had Bama winning it. But in actuality, it was the Dogs against LSU, and of course, the Dogs won. So again, I'll take partial on all of them, except the Big Ten. I kind of freaked that one. But again, not too bad with the playoff and the conference championships. Somewhat in the ballpark. At least I wasn't like Desmond Howard, who I don't know what he was smoking or what was going on before he dropped that official prediction the first games of the year. But wow, oh wow, my man was crazy. But now, ladies and gentlemen, games of the week, or should I say game of the week? This weekend, we only have one game, which is kind of crazy after all the college football we've had. But we have one game, one whole game. But first, let me jump into how I did last week with my picks. Again, kind of on a rough streak. Last week I was four and six. This week I was three and six on my picks. So not too shabby, but not good at all. Definitely down trending downwards. I've been the Pac-12 championship. I picked Southern Cal over Utah. I was wrong. SEC Championship, I picked Georgia over LSU. That was a win. Big 12, I picked TCU over Kansas State. That was wrong. And the ACC Championship, I picked UNC over Clemson. That was wrong. In the Big 10, I picked Michigan over Purdue. That was right. And the AAC Championship, I picked Tulane over UCF. That was a win. So again, this weekend, there's only one game. So hopefully I can't screw it up too bad. This weekend, we have... The Army-Navy game. We have the midshipmen of Navy. Navy, excuse me. Four and seven against the Army Black Knights. Five and six on the year. That game is 3 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. It'll be at Lincoln Financial Field, a.k.a. where the Dirty Birds, the Philly Fly Eagles Fly play. Again, one hell of a rivalry, one hell of a weekend. Navy has won six out of the last ten matchups. So starting it off, going back ten years, Navy won four in a row, then Army won three in a row, then Navy, Army, Navy. So technically, if you follow the trend, Army should win it this year. I'm going with Army. I'm going with the Black Knights this year. I think they'll come out on top. Again, America's game. One hell of a battle and a rivalry. Next weekend, I'll jump more into the rivalry. This weekend, I just didn't want to flood everything going with the coaches and the transfers and just the different stats and records. I'll jump into more of that next week. And I wanted to get the playoff predictions and the conference championship predictions in. But before we close up, I just want to mention the Heisman finalist. So like I said before, the four Heisman finalists going to New York will be Caleb Williams, quarterback from Southern Cal, Max Dugan, quarterback TCU, Stetson Bennett, the mailman, quarterback from Georgia, and C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. Four quarterbacks will be there this year. If you ask me personally, I think Hendon Hooker, quarterback of Tennessee, and Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan, got robbed, and you say, Chew, well, they both got hurt. Yes, I understand that. But at the end of the day, they were still two of the best players in college football this year. I don't want to hear elsewise. Yes, they both got hurt. Yes, they didn't get to play, I believe, the last two or three games. No. Hooker got hurt in the tenant in the South Carolina game, which I believe was the week before. So, like, 
yeah, it was two last two games. Quorum, I don't believe in the last two games. So, technically, they played the majority of the season. I think they got robbed. If you ask me, well, who don't you think deserves to be there? I believe Stetson Bennett, the mailman. I'm sorry, buddy. Again, you're okay. Ever since I've seen you play, you're okay. Again, I'll give it to you. You're having a better year this year. You look good. I still don't think you're that good. Okay, so mailman, I'm sorry. You're like 80 years old anyway. Older than some of the people in the NFL. You're like Joe Burrow. You're a super, super, super senior. You should not be there. That's number one. Get the hell off the board. And then out of the last three, Caleb Williams, Max Dugan, and C.J. Stroud. This is tough. This is tough. Caleb Williams should definitely be there. He's been electric the whole year. Keep him. So I guess between Dugan and Stroud, that's a tough one. That is definitely tough overall. And again, both quarterbacks, one hell of a year for each of them. Probably Dugan more standout. Again, leading TCU to the playoffs this year. But let me actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look up their stats. And I'm going to compare how they're doing for the year. So let's see. Alrighty. Hmm. Okay, here we go. All right, so here we go. So Stroud stats this year. In 12 games, he's thrown for 3,340 yards, 37 total touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 66.2 completion rate. Now let's go to my man Dugan. Dugan in 13 games has 3,321 passing yards, so pretty much the same, only 19 less. 36 total touchdowns, which is Stratus 37. Four interceptions, so two less, and then a 64.9 completion rate, which is a couple percentage lower than Stroud. So again, I guess it's technically a toss-up between those two. But I guess you could say... TCU season led them all the way there this year. I guess if you want to throw Dugan in there, even though I really don't think you should, but okay, that's fine. We can leave that there. Um, all right, so fine, you leave him there. So let's say you take out Stroud and the mailman, even though people would probably kill me. Let's just roll with it just for theoretical purposes. So you take them out, you definitely add Hooker and Quorum. It's not even a contest, man. It's ridiculous how both of them are not there, you know, considering the years that they've had. Again, let's do some quick stats right here. All right, Blake Corum this year. He has 1,463 yards, almost 1,500 yards, averaging 5.9 yards a clip, 18 touchdowns. Okay. And then I can look up versus other running backs in a second. But again, that's one hell of a stat line. Almost 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, 5.9 yards a clip. Again, one hell of a year for Mr. Quorum. All right, let's look at other running backs. All right. Again, this is kind of crazy how he's not even there. Oh, uh, these are just against other Heisman running backs. That's not really what I want to look at. I want to look at 
versus other teams this year. I mean, just other players this year, I should say. Let's see. Uh, again, this is just against pr prior Heisman running backs. Again. Hmm. Okay, I'm just going to go to the NCAA website and look up rushing yards. Here we go. Okay, so rushing yards. Yep, so that's the total stats. So I'll look up. Do I'll do total rushing touchdowns. Okay, so leader is Israel Abakanda has 20. Quorum, who's only played in, what, 11 games maybe, if that, has 18, so he's two off the leader. Rushing yards, Quorum, again, has almost 1,500. The leader has 17, or not 17,000, 1,713. It's like 200 off that. And then, again, the average, 5.9. Like, again, one of the leading running backs in the country, and, again, the man has been hurt. And he now he's out for the season. Now let's look up Hendon Hooker. All right, let's look at Mr. Hooker here. Okay. So his stats... We have, he has thrown for 3,135 yards, 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions, has a QBR of 89.4. So we're going stat-wise, yards, he's 22nd, touchdown tied for 14th, interceptions, he's tied for 2nd, and QBR, he is 2nd. So going back to those other quarterbacks, they had around like 3,300 that are in the Heisman race. Obviously, Dugan and Stroud. Touchdowns, again, he's definitely a little lower, like 10 less. Interceptions, obviously, at two, one of the best, and then in QBR. So again, in my opinion, those two boys definitely deserve to be there. Whether you take out Stroud or Dugan, Cable Williams definitely deserves to be there. He'll probably win the damn Heisman, if you ask me. But you take out the mailman and Stroud or Dugan, and you put in... Blake Corum and Hendon Hooker. Even if they're hurt, it don't matter. They deserve to be there. And as I digress, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Listen to another great episode of CCT, episode 34. Been one hell of a journey. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. And as always, thanks for the love and the support and the feedback from everyone in the community. Big things on the way soon. I'm telling you guys, my, me and my boy Snakers are be coming up with a different picture logo for the cover art. I believe in a couple weeks when I go home for you know Christmas and holiday break, I'll be doing a call-in feature. So everyone, please get ready and excited for that. I'll be doing a little college you and college football and some call-in features, which will be live and running as we record the episode. So definitely stay tuned as more information comes with that. And as always, I appreciate the love and support. Everyone stay safe. Be healthy as the holidays approach. And uh, peace.